Welcome you to JFC Saturday Night. Uh, if you are a guest with us tonight, uh, we want to extend a special welcome to you uh, and uh, invite you after service if you want to head out to the lobby. We've got a welcome center table. Uh, there we've got uh, just a little sampling of free gifts to say thanks for coming. Uh, we get a, we'll give you a VIP coffee cup that kind of gets you uh, first place in the line to get your favorite beverage of choice. Uh, and really, it's just a chance for us to be able to connect with you, answer any questions you have, and uh, just figure out how we can help maybe get you more connected into everything that's going on here at JFC. So, uh, you saw on our JFC now, the uh, Thanksgiving outreach. Uh, that's coming up very shortly here. Uh, and a couple things I wanted to mention about that. Number one, this weekend we are doing a special offering for that Thanksgiving outreach uh, to help raise funds for uh, bringing in that food and being able to put, put together those packages and those meals. So um, if you would like to be a part of that, uh, simply on your check or on your uh, envelope, just make it out uh, in the memo, Thanksgiving outreach. Uh, the other thing then is uh, we still have a couple of spots open. Um, if you know a family who would uh, be blessed to be able to receive a Thanksgiving outreach basket or, or packet or be able to have a meal for Thanksgiving, um, after service, you want to head out to the Connect Grow Serve tables. There's a little form out there you can kind of fill out and say, you know, here's the family. I would love to have them be a part of this and uh, be able to sign them up. That is for this weekend only. So we are still accepting nominations. If you know of a family, please head out there after service and sign them up. Um, and we would love to be able to be able to pull them into what we're doing with the Thanksgiving outreach. So uh, if you are a guest with us, our boxes for offering are on the back at our walls. We don't do a hat or a plate or a basket or passing anything like that. Uh, we do just want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness. We're going to go ahead and pray, and uh, we're just excited. How many of you are excited to hear what Pastor Dan has for us? Come on. Yeah! Yeah, so God, we just come before you tonight. God, we thank you for your presence. God, we just thank you even just for, uh, God, just the little kind of love gift of this great day that you've given us, the sunshine out and the warmer temperatures. And God, we just thank you so much that your love is just overflowing to us. God, we just pray for blessing on the offering, our tithes and offerings, and, and everyone who's able to give. And, and uh, God, more importantly, we also pray just that you would do an incredible work in tonight's service. God, may you speak through Pastor Dan powerfully. And uh, God, may you just open up our hearts to receive everything you have for us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, how is everybody doing this weekend? Good. It's good to see you. It's good to be here. I am so honored and privileged to be a part of uh, this Genesis series. Uh, how many of you have enjoyed this Genesis series? Um, one of the things that, uh, that the teaching team discussed uh, when we got together about a week and a half ago was if you listen to the last five or ten minutes of any one of the messages that have been given, you would never know that we're talking about Genesis. Uh, because God has just taken uh, those stories that we felt like he was leading us to and just using them to just 
go right into our lives and our living rooms right here today. So it is, it's an honor and a privilege, again, to be a part of this. Uh, my name is Dan DeMay. I am the campus pastor over at the Highlands Ranch campus, which reminds me to say hello to them. It's good to have you guys. I'm glad that you guys are uh, listening. Uh, we're also glad that Castle Rock is listening, and anyone uh, via the live stream or podcast, we're glad that you're with us. And uh, it is an honor to be here speaking live to you here at Lone Tree. It, uh, it, it's one of my favorite things to do, actually, is to be over here and, and to share uh, from time to time. And so I hope you're ready to hear from God. Yeah? Um, I'm going to do what I always do, and I'm going to open up with just a word of prayer. And I'm going to ask that, that God would use me uh, to deliver his heart. And as I always do, I'm just going to ask that you would right now take this time while I'm praying to pray and ask God to come and change and, and touch your lives. I hope you didn't come to hear a, a message uh, or another speech. I hope you came to be changed. I hope that you came to have something in your mind and your heart a little bit different um, when you leave than when it came in and just invite God to, to come and do that in your hearts right now. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much for the fact that um, we can go through a book like Genesis and get so much out of it for today, for right now, for here, uh, practical things. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, help me to communicate the story of Cain and Abel and that you would give me your words and give me your wisdom and give me your instruction. Lord, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase. And um, Lord, everything that I say, I pray, would be led by your Holy Spirit. If there is anything that I'm about to communicate that is not from your spirit, God, I pray that I would forget it before it even makes it out of my mouth. And Lord, as I speak, I pray that the words that I share would penetrate into the hearts of everyone listening, whether here at Lone Tree or at any of the campuses or via live stream. God, penetrate their hearts and make them different because of the revelation of your spirit. And God, we pray that we would have changed lives. And if that's your prayer, just say amen. 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 Well, hey, I... Uh, again, get to be a part of, of this series. And what we're doing is we're kind of going through uh, the first nine or 10 chapters of Genesis and, and kind of just taking stories. And when we got together as a teaching team, um, we got to chapter four and it, it begins uh, with the story of Cain and Abel. And there was just something that God was already working in my heart. And I thought, I want to teach that one. And so uh, chronolo chronologically, we are actually jumping kind of back now. We've been talking about Noah. Now we're going to jump back into uh, the story of Cain and Abel. And I just want to read the text that I'm going to be uh, teaching from uh, this weekend. And we'll go from there. And so it says in Genesis 4, 1 through 7, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the first fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Now, um, the section of scripture here, uh, we've probably heard, if you've been in church any length of time, uh, you probably have heard the story of Cain and Abel. And uh, if 
if you're anything like me, I read through that and I actually uh, start to think, well, that's not very fair. It comes across that, that it, just, it just wasn't fair, um, that here we have two individuals um, bringing an offering, bringing a sacrifice before the Lord, and one is acceptable to God and one isn't. And I'm just going to kind of start going through that text, and I'm going to just kind of share some of the things that I believe God shared with me and, and gave to me to deliver to you. But the first thing that I want to bring to your attention is this. God is, um, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want to make sure that everybody is on the same page here. He is not just uh, nebulous in what he decides that he likes and what he doesn't like. And I think you could read that and kind of go, hey, uh, God is just kind of picking and choosing what he likes. And I think that when you leave here, you'll have a better understanding and you'll go, hey, not only was that fair, but I, I totally understand what took place in that section uh, of, of scripture. And so I've got actually two viewpoints uh, of this story that I want to, uh, to kind of share back and forth. I'm going to kind of talk about Abel's perspective and then I'm going to talk about Cain's perspective in uh, a few points that I want to bring to your attention. The first point uh, that I have for you is, let me, let me get my notes out here and I will, I will I'll let you know what it is. <laughs> um, it, the first point is this, uh, they both brought offerings from their occupation, all right? Genesis 4-2, let me reread it again, it says, and again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was the keeper of sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. Now, uh, in studying that out, I started to look up the, the Hebrew words, and um, the word for, for what, what Abel was doing in regards to just tending or, or, or keeping the ground, is it's the word, Hebrew word, and it means to tend, to tend to. And the word for worked, where it says, and Cain worked the ground, uh, the word means to toil, or, or literally to work. And so I'm writing these things down on my notebook as, you know, just kind of, studying through these things and writing them down. And I, and I wrote, um, to tend and to work. And those two words just jumped off the page. And I just want to share um, the, the, really my first point out of reading through that section of scripture. And that is this. There is a huge difference between tending and working. Okay? And, and I hope that I can communicate, uh, you know, one of the prayers for this whole week is that I would communicate the heart of God exactly how he wants it. And sometimes, sometimes it's here, but it's hard to communicate to here. So uh, be open, open your hearts right now and really try to understand uh, what I'm trying to communicate here. Um, there is a big difference between when God tells us to do something and we take what he tells us and we go and tend to it versus us assuming or presuming what God has for us, and then we go work and do the things that we think he wants us to do. Does that make sense? It's really uh, the difference between stewardship and ownership. See, when we are stewards of something, we realize, okay, God has given this to me, and I'm gonna take it, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a steward of it, and I'm gonna take good care of it, but my hands are gonna be open, and if God needs me to take whatever he's given me to give it to somebody else, well, then great, I'll give it out because I'm a steward of it. But when we're an owner of something, we take whatever God gives to us, and we go, hey, this is mine, and we clutch it in, and we go, hey, this is 
my stuff and I'm going to do it. And in that mentality, what happens is we begin to try to earn God's favor. And we begin to try to show God that we can do so many good things. And we begin to operate into this work mentality rather than a tending mentality. Does that make sense? Um, let, me, let me see if I can't use some uh, examples from Scripture and see if you can help me out understand um, what I'm trying to communicate here. Um, tending or working? The Pharisees, did they tend or did they work? Shout it out. They worked. Okay, you get it. The disciples, when, when Jesus sent them out and said, hey, I want you to go from house to house. I don't want you to pack a bag. I, I want, you know, those people are gonna provide for you as you go. I want you to tell them the things that I've been teaching you. Uh, I, you know, from city to city, uh, if, if they don't receive you, you shake the dust off your feet and move on to the next place. But if they receive you, tell them everything that I've been teaching you. When they went out and they started to do that, were they tending or were they working? They were tending. All right, how about, how about this story? Um, Mary and Martha. Okay, you have Jesus comes to this house and, and Mary sees him and just basically falls at his feet and just hangs on every word that he says. And it just listens to him and soaks up everything that's going on while Martha is in the back in the kitchen and, and she's preparing meals and, and cleaning up and, and doing all this stuff to the point where she gets so disgruntled. Ooh, get this. Please get this. She gets so disgruntled that she finally goes to Jesus and she goes, Jesus, don't you see what Mary is doing? Don't you think she should be helping me out? And Jesus said, Mary has chosen the better thing. Now, real quick, Martha, was she tending or working? Mary, was she tending or working? Okay, it's it's very easy to pick out. Now, the question I have for you Let's make this real personal. Let's bring it to right here and right now. The question I have for you is, if I were to pull you up here and have you share your story of the last month, week, or day, and then I asked everybody, okay, is this person tending or working? What would they say? I, I, you don't have to answer that right now. Uh, but these guys have volunteered, so they're working. God wants you to tend, okay? Uh, here's... Here's the thing. Every single one of us have been created with a purpose and a plan given, from, given to us by God. None of us are here by accident. Well, that should be a big amen right there. Uh, there's not a single one of us that is here right now for this time and for this purpose by accident. God has a purpose. He has a plan. He has uh, things that he wants to accomplish through you. In this world and in this society, in this place, right now, here. Now, for some of you, that may be all you need to hear tonight. God has a purpose and a plan for me. Yes, he has a purpose and a plan for you. You are not here by accident. Stop believing the lie that you don't matter, that you don't care. I didn't say this in, any, in the other service, so I want you to know this is a word for somebody listening right now. God does care. You do matter to him. You are not here by accident. You have a purpose and you have a plan. Now the problem is, is that we begin to take what we think our purpose is and what we think our plan is and we begin to work for God rather than listening to the heart of God, finding out what he has for us, taking that in and then just saying, okay, I'll tend to whatever the Lord tells, us, tells me to attend to. Does that make sense? 
My heart, my heart for this point, for this first point, is this, that we would stop working so hard for God. I don't think God wants us to work. He wants us to tend. He wants us to tend to uh, what he has purposed and planned for us. Now, uh, as I'm reading through that and those words jump off the page, uh, another scripture came to mind and it can be found in Ephesians. It's not in your notes. Um, and the, 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 the section of scripture says something like this. It says, we are saved by grace and grace alone, not by works so, the, so that no man could boast. Now, we hear that taught and, and usually the teaching stops right there because, uh, man, what a great section of scripture. We are saved by grace and grace alone. It's not by works. It's actually what separates Christianity from all the other religions. All the other religions have to deal with a work mentality. You obtain certain levels of heaven or you obtain heaven or you obtain nirvana or whatever, but you have to work at it to get there. Christianity is solely based on the work of Jesus Christ. On what he did, you are saved by grace and grace alone, not by works so that no man can boast. And then it says something very funny in the very next scripture. And the very next scripture says this, so that you can accomplish the works prepared for you to do. What? And all of a sudden, it came crystal clear to me. We are called to tend to what God has purposed and planned for us, not to work what we think God wants us to do. Do you get that? I hope, it, I hope it's so quiet in here because you're really thinking. Because this is a huge life change difference. It's the difference between understanding I'm a steward of everything that God gives to me and therefore God, um, I'll take in what you have and, and I'll let go of things. And, and uh, sometimes, sometimes we hang on to things way too long because it's something that God spoke 10 years ago and God's now moved and he wants to give you something new that he wants you to tend to. But you're like, no, 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 you told me to do this so I'm over here. But when we're like this and we understand that we're just here to tend to what he has for us, first of all, it drives us to him because we have to hear his heart. We have to hear his voice. And second of all, it releases the burden of feeling like we have to perform for God. You know what? I love it when Pastor John says, um, are you living from the favor of God or are you trying to live for the favor of God? Because there's a huge difference in that. You have the favor of God. You have it. Live like that. Take his, his words and tend to what he has purposed and planned for you. Second point that I have out of this. They both brought offerings, but there was a difference in the offering. And when you first read through it, you might not see it, but as you go into it and you really begin to study it out, you'll see the differences between uh, the offering Abel gave and the offering that Cain gave. Uh, I'm going to pick it up, go back to the the text again. Genesis 4, verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering... Of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. Now, when you, again, when you first read through that, you you may go, well, you know, they both brought something that they did. Like point number one, they they brought an offering from what their occupation was. Um, But there's two key words that I really want you to focus in. Some translations say that, verse three, it says, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruit of the land, okay? And what I want you to, to draw attention to is the difference between some and first. 
some and first. The difference between these two is huge. As a matter of fact, I would even submit to you that in the kingdom of God, the difference between these two words is the difference between life and death. Okay? Uh, several times in scripture, I'm just gonna read a couple to you. Exodus 13, 12. You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. Do you realize this not only had to deal with animals, but this also had to do with our sons and daughters. Give our first to the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says this, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. There's a section in Malachi that actually says uh, that when we bring the first, when we bring our tithe to the Lord, um, God actually says this, test me, test me in this. See if I don't overfill your barns, your storage areas. Your, just test, bring in the first fruits, bring in the tithe to me and see if I don't overwhelmingly bless you. Now, I, I'm not uh, preaching, hey, you should give so that you can get God's blessing, but I do know this, over and over and over in God's scripture, when you give God your first of whatever it would be, he comes then and can bless everything else. Okay, let's talk just for a second. Let's talk about our tithes. Um, our tithes, the word of God says several different times that we are to take the first of what we are given and that we are supposed to present that back to the Lord and we are supposed to give it back to God. And out of that, then he will take the rest and he will bless the rest in ways that uh, you can't even sometimes comprehend how he touches your, your life. Um, I heard a message and I thought it was so good and I actually don't have time to, um, to go into the, it could be a series, but really what it is, it's the difference between holy and common. And there's a theme in scripture that talks about make sure that you keep the holy things holy and that you don't mix the common with the holy. And when you give from your first fruits, you're taking what God calls holy, you're keeping it holy, you're setting it apart. Holy just simply means to set apart. You're taking what God has given to you, you're setting it apart, and you're keeping it holy, and therefore God can come in there and bless. But when you take the leftovers, or when you take some, like Cain did, and you just take some, then what you're doing is you're taking the common and you're mixing it in with the holy and when the common touches the holy, death happens. Death happens. Let me give you an illustration of this. Um, King David wanted to bring the holy ark back into its proper place. And so they put it onto a wagon and they're celebrating and rejoicing because the presence of the Lord is gonna come back to the rightful place where it's supposed to be. And, and they're, they're coming along and, and the, the wagon basically hits a pothole. And the wagon begins to fall over. And one of the things that the word of God says is that the Levites are the holy ones. The Levites are the ones that are set apart to carry the ark. Well, David doesn't have the Levites carrying the ark. He just has people doing it. And this ark starts to fall over and a 
a regular Israelite reaches out and touches the ark and he immediately dies. Well, that doesn't seem fair, does it? Here we are, we're trying to bring the, the, the presence of God back to its rightful place. Uh, a guy actually reaches out to make sure that it doesn't come crashing to the ground and when he touches it, he dies. It's not fair until you realize that he was a common Israelite Touching the holy ark of God in which God said the Levites are the ones that are set apart to move this thing. Am I making sense? When we take the things that are common and we start to mix it in with the holy, when we take some of what God has given to us and present it to him, the holy God, death comes. Well, that doesn't seem fair, Pastor Dan. I know. How many times have you ever done something good and, and then uh, either not been rewarded for it or somebody else actually gets rewarded uh, in, a, in a better way and you're just like, well, that's not fair. Well, guess what? You may be giving God some instead of giving God your first. This isn't just with tithes and offerings. This goes with our children. This goes with... Um, our, our family life. See, when we make God first and when we go before him and say, okay, God, I'm gonna make you first, he then begins to line up your priorities for your life and my priorities. I don't wanna you know, make, make it like I'm excluded from this. He lines up our priorities and then all of a sudden we begin to see that, oh, you know what? Our spouse should come before work. Our kids should become before work. Let me put myself in the right priority so that I will actually do what I'm supposed to do first. And that comes by lifting things up to God first. We are to bring the first to God and not some. And here's, here's where this message gets a little difficult because uh, I would like to give you real practical examples and say this is what it's like. But the the truth is, every single one of us, because we all have the Holy Spirit, if you called upon the name of the Lord, you have the Holy Spirit deposited into you, and he will speak to you different things for different people. There are different convictions that God will place on each one of us. Certain things God has asked me to make holy that may not be holy for you. Does that, does that make sense? And so it, it gets it gets kind of hard to then communicate. So here's what we need to do. What, what I want you to understand is you need to hear from God. And if you'll hear from God, he will tell you what those things are. Now, there are several things in the word of God that are holy for everybody. But then there's personal things that God wants you to make first before him. Now, um, the question then reading Cain and Abel is, did God, did Cain, sorry, did Cain know that he was supposed to bring the first? Because the word of God really doesn't, doesn't say. It doesn't, um, it doesn't tell us beforehand. As a matter of fact, if you read through this story, it's the first time that any kind of sacrifice or offering is mentioned in the Bible with the exception of the sacrifice that the animal would have had to made when God created the, uh, the clothes for Adam and Eve. Okay, that was also a sacrifice. But this is the first one that we see where uh, another man is sacrificing or bringing an offering before the Lord. And so um, we actually had a heated debate in our teaching team because I was like, well, did Cain, did Cain know? 
did Cain know? I mean, maybe he just thought he was doing a good thing for God, and, and, he, and so he brought some you know, of what he was working on, and he brought it before the Lord. And I am going uh, to submit to you that I think, um, I, I'm not sure whether he knew beforehand or not, but I do know this. Um, in, in Hebrews 11, verse 4, it says this, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Abel presented a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain did. Now, uh, it was really, man, it was so cool when I, when I read this uh, this week and studying this because all of a sudden, uh, something that God's been working in my heart for a couple years just, just came to life in me. And that is just the, the subject and, and the topic of faith. See, um, faith can be kind of, a, kind of a nebulous thing until you get into the word of God and really begin to, to seek it out. You know, Hebrews says faith uh, is being sure of what we hope for and confident in what you don't see. How many of you are confident in what you don't see? Well, I mean, let's be real. It's really hard to be confident in something you don't see unless Romans ten seventeen is true, which says this. Faith comes by, let's try that again. Faith comes by, all right, Castle Rock Campus. Faith comes by, oh, that was good. All right, Highlands Ranch. Faith comes by, okay, that's good. Um, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. So if you take um, this section where it says by faith, and you put, because faith comes by hearing, so if you put hearing there, by hearing from God, Abel presented a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain did. And so by that, I then am making the presumption that if Abel had access to God to hear what he should bring to him as an offering, then guess what? Cain had the exact same access. And, and get this, hear me what I'm saying. Cain still brought an offering to God. But he didn't go to God first to find out what he should bring. How many of us think we know what God wants and so we go ahead and go ahead and do it, but we never checked in with the Lord? Come on, isn't that good? (laughs) I'm not sure. I mean, I put Cain in, in one of two places. He either knew what he was supposed to do and he didn't bring it. Or he could have gone to God and asked what he was supposed to do. And then he could have brought the same thing. Either case, you bring that to here and now to today. And I want to come to you and say, hey, are there things in your life that you are doing without connecting to God? Thinking you're doing a great thing for the Lord, when in, when in the truth, you're missing it. I, I, I was praying through this and, and thinking about this, and God reminded me of, of something that took place uh, about, <coughs> about 16 years ago. And uh, um, it, that was, I, I had this great plan. Uh, my wife was going to be turning 21, and uh, we were youth pastors at the time, and I thought, you know what, I... I am going to give her a surprise party. 
And so I scheduled a dinner with her, and then I had one of my youth leaders gather all of the youth from the youth group and hang out at my house. Now, we didn't have cell phones at this time, and so uh, Kim threw a kink into this whole deal, uh, and, and we're out at dinner, and she says, hey, let's go to the mall, and let's go shopping a little bit. And I'm like, uh, uh, okay, great, let's do that. Well, uh, in the meantime, I have... Uh, 30 to 40 youth in my house being watched over by a 21, 22-year-old youth leader. Okay? Now, I'm thinking I'm doing a wonderful thing. Um, Did I ask God, should I do a surprise party? No! I just assumed this would be good. Well, we leave the mall, we go home, we walk in the door, and uh, we go around the corner and everybody yells, surprise! And much <laughs> to not my delight, uh, my wife's face just fell. And I was like, oh no. I look back on that and I, I, I realized two things. One, never put 40 youth in your house for an hour unsupervised. <laughs> um, and number two, I knew, I actually knew, my wife had told me she doesn't like surprise parties. But how many times do we do this? Here's what I thought. Well, I know my wife better than she knows herself. She'll like this one. Now, I say that, and I want to bring it back to God. Because how many times do we think, oh, I know God better than God knows himself. I know what he wants. And I don't even need to check in. And then we just go out and go do it. You guys Okay. All right, my third thing that I want to share with you is this, God's response to the offerings. Genesis 4, 4 through 5 now, pick up. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. So we read this story, and we see God's response um, to, to the offering. Abel's offering, uh, if you take that out and you, you research through the Hebrew and, and look through that, what you'll see is that um, it actually caught, Abel's offering caught the gaze of God. Or other things that I've heard uh, or read is that Abel's offering caught God's attention. Cain's offering did not catch God's attention. Um, Now, here's what I felt like the Lord wanted me to share with you in regards to this. When we go to God and ask Him what we should do, and then we offer that to Him, every single time you do that, you will catch God's attention. You will catch his gaze. You will catch, like this uh, translation says, you will catch his regard. Other translations say your, his respect. The, the offering actually caught God's respect. Um, every time you hear from God and then you do what you feel like God is telling you, you will catch his attention. But the flip side is this. Every time you don't go to God, 
and then you go out and do something. And, and I get this. Uh, we're, not doing, uh, we're not doing these things to be or out of evil or out of malice. We're just going to do things. And, and a lot of times we're going to do these because we think they're good. We go out and do these things, but it doesn't catch God's attention. It's called sin. Okay? When we don't go before the Lord and ask him what he has for us to do, and we just step out in our own understanding, then what happens is we sin. Now, uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to make this more palatable. Um, I had a discussion earlier today in which uh, someone was sharing, oh man, this has been a, uh, a tough end of the week. Uh, I've been trying to clean my garage out and it's just been frustrating me. And my wife and my kids, uh, they have been getting uh, the wrath of, of all that frustration. And I said, oh, so, so in other words, you've been sinning. And he was like, ugh. And I go, well, let, let me rephrase that. Um, you've been missing the mark, haven't you? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I've missed the mark. They're the same thing. And let me show you in the scripture. Uh, where, where, uh, anywhere it says sin, if you look that up, you will find that the definition for sin is to miss the mark. Uh, sin defined is this. This is, this is in the Greek in the New Testament. Sin defined is properly to miss the mark, having no share in to sin, which always brings forfeiture. In example, eternal loss due to missing God's mark. It regularly used, it's regularly used in ancient times of an archer missing the target. And then I want you to see this last sentence because this one cut me like a knife as I was reading through it. Every decision or action done apart from faith. Every, every decision or every action that we do apart from faith. What is faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing from the word of God. Every action, every decision that we do where we haven't connected to God, we miss the mark. Now, just real quick to make sure that we're all on the same page. How many of you this week have missed the mark? Okay, Castle Rock, Highlands Ranch. Lift your hands high, Castle Rock especially. Okay, now... Uh, I know um, that we all miss the mark. We do. And as I was reading that definition, um, it, uh, again, it cut me to the quick because uh, all of a sudden I began to realize how many times do I do something throughout every single day without connecting to God? So um, when I get something like that, I, I usually have to tell somebody right away. So I'm running through my house trying to find somebody to tell. The only one I can find is my daughter, who's 12 years old. She's laying there, watching the TV. I come up and I said, Alyssa, Alyssa, turn off the TV. So she pauses it. And I said, I got to share something with you. She goes, what? And I go, let me tell you uh, what the definition of sin is. And she's like, okay. Um, and so I read that to her. And, and I get to that last part and I go, every decision that we make apart from faith is sin. And she goes, Dad, that's a lot of decisions. And she goes, are you telling me that I should be asking God if I should be brushing my teeth? Now we laugh, but I want you to know 
Um, I think God would be very happy with us if we were actually in that much of a relationship where we were walking and talking about every little aspect of our lives. And I get it. Hey, look, when my kids come to me and they go, hey, dad, can we watch TV or should we play video games? I look at them and I'm like, I don't care. Have fun. Just whatever you're doing, have fun. But there are times that when they come and ask me that question, I go, you know what? Neither. Because actually we're going to do this and I need you to come with me here. Think about that. How many times do we short circuit the plan and the purpose that God has for your day because we just go into our regular schedule and we never connect to God and ask him, hey, am I supposed to do this today? Am I supposed to keep going through this? And I believe there are times where we go before God that God will go, hey, whether you go to the right or go to the left, there I am behind you saying, this is the way. That's scripture, by the way. I think, I, I think Isaiah 30, but I, I'm not 100% sure. Um, there are times where he says, whether you go to the right or left, hey, this is the way. But then there are other times where he has very clear directions and he has a purpose and a plan for you. And when we don't connect with him in whatever decision or whatever action you are doing, you miss the mark. Now, this cut me so much because I began to realize I need a Savior. I need a Savior. There are so many times I just go at life on my own and in my own strength and in my own understanding and in my own abilities and I just go just go after what I think God wants and all of a sudden I begin to realize oh man, I, I need to touch base with God more often. I need to touch base with God much more often. I need a savior. And all of a sudden, Pastor John's message from last weekend just came back to mind. Think about it. He, he said this, we can't give other people when they sin or when they miss the mark, we can't give people grace unless... We've received grace. All of a sudden, in the study of, of this message, I received a greater level of grace. I am fully expecting and looking forward to being able to actually extend more grace now because I have come to a deeper revelation of how much I need a Savior. Now, for some of you, I, this may be very heavy right now, and I don't want it to be. There's no condemnation in those who are in Christ. There's no guilt, no condemnation. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the weight of what I just taught in the fact that every decision and every action that you do without hearing from God is a sin. I want you to take that and go, oh, wow, I need a savior. And then I want you to take that burden and I want you to throw it off your shoulders because the word of God says that Jesus took that burden on the cross for you and I so that we could have freedom from that burden. And that's our responsibility is we need, you know, Jesus said, take my yoke. The burden is light. The yoke is easy. Take that on. You need to go, wow, I need a savior. And then you need to replace that with, oh, I've got one. Okay, cool. And move on. And understand that God doesn't want this message to be heavy. He doesn't want this to be a huge burden on you like, oh my gosh, man, I've sinned so much this week. But he does want to convict your heart to get you to go to him more often.
to go to him more often. All right. The last part of this, and then I'll close. Getting some good stuff? Okay. Would anybody ever say no to that question? I don't know. Yeah. Getting good stuff? No, it's not really very good. Can I go home now? <laughs> Thanks for humoring me. The last thing I want to bring to your attention is Cain's response. The last two verses there. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Now, a couple different things that that I want to bring to your attention. Uh, God immediately in his grace and mercy comes down to Cain and says, Cain, look, this isn't what I want. This is not what I want. And in his grace and in his mercy, he's there to say, hey, why are you so angry about this? I mean, think about it. I'd be angry too. If I worked my tail off, working the ground, bringing the crop in, bringing a, making a portion for God, bringing that portion and offering it to the Lord, and then watch Cain, who is just sitting on a rock, watching a bunch of sheep. A newborn comes out and he goes, okay, I'll give that one to God. Pulls that one out. I'd be mad too. Isn't that human nature? We work and we toil and we sweat and then somebody gets promoted underneath us and we're not happy about that. We want to kill him. Now, we don't physically want to kill him, but we have the thought. And guess what? Jesus said, if you have the thought, you might as well have done it. Okay? It, it's human nature. We get jealous. We get envious. We have a strife towards that person. We have an offense towards that person. And the truth of the matter uh, is that's not where God wants us to be. And so in his grace and in his mercy, he comes to Cain and he tries to instruct him. He talks to him immediately. Why are you so angry here? Why is your face down? And he begins to try to, to help him through the fact that he missed the mark. You know, uh, last week, Pastor John talked about um, how do you respond when someone else sins? And that was, that was the whole message. What should our responses as Christians be when someone else sins? I want to bring to your attention today, what is your response and what is your reaction when God says, you are sinning? Let me make it a little bit better. Uh, What is your reaction when God pinpoints and says, you're missing the mark? You're missing the mark. What is your response? What's your reaction? See, the Bible says that the Lord disciplines those that he loves. And when the Lord comes and when he points out an area in which you've missed the mark, He's doing it because he loves you and he cares for you and he wants to see you become better than you are today. He wants to make you great in the purpose and plan that he has called you to. And so he comes and he doesn't let us continue to miss the mark. He comes along and says, hey, here's what I want to do. I want to help you get closer to the center. That term, that archery term, 
Think about that. You pull the bow back and you take your arrow and you're shooting at the target and you fire. If you hit the bullseye, you've hit the mark. Anywhere outside of that bullseye or beyond, you have sinned. You missed the mark. And what God is doing when he comes and he reveals those things to you is he's trying to get you to just bring it over a little bit and trying to show you, okay, here's how you do that. Because most of us, when we sin, when we miss the mark, we're not doing it on purpose. We're not taking the the bow and arrow back and then pointing it at somebody else and going, ha ha, bam. Okay, that's evil. Okay, that is sinning on purpose. I mean, that is taking that bow back and and just specifically saying, I am going to sin and pulling it back and just aiming it at somebody else or something else. But a majority of the time, when we miss the mark, we're trying. We are trying. And when God comes in and says, hey, let me point this thing out and let me discipline you here. And discipline simply is, is taking that and bringing it back or showing you the way, hey, this is how you get to the center. He brings you back. Now, it's not always fun to have somebody come in and correct you and what you're doing. I get that. But if we will allow God to come in and give us that discipline, what happens is then we get closer to becoming what Jesus wants us to be. We get closer to being exactly where he wants us to be. So I just close today with this. What is God speaking to your heart? As I'm sharing this message, what areas have you missed the mark? For some of you, you know right now he's already speaking to your heart. Man, start writing those down. Start beginning to process those and start asking God, um, God, discipline me for these things. And again, the discipline, God, come and correct me on these things. God, show me how I need to, to do this better so I can hit the mark. For some of you, though, and this is, um, I know there are people in here. For some of you, your heart is so hard that you you can't even hear what God's telling you to to begin to to change. And the problem with that is is when your heart gets that hard, you begin to start missing at greater lengths. Instead of getting closer, you actually start getting farther away. And if you are here and you say, "Man, I I'm not getting anything from the Lord and and I don't even want anything from the Lord." then I want you to just go before God and, and I want you to realize the wages of sin is death. But I come to tell you that if you turn to Jesus and if you just express to him, okay, Jesus, soften my heart. You know what? Not a single person in this room can go, okay, my heart's hard. My heart's soft. My heart's hard. You have to have the Holy Spirit come in and you have to have the work of God, the grace of God to come in and do that. And so just simply go before God and say, God, soften my heart. And so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have uh, the worship teams at all the campuses come up and uh, I'm going to have you just sit for the first song. And I want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to your hearts. And again, for those that are getting things right away, write them down. Start writing them down. Start asking God, what, what, it is, what is it that I need to do to get back in the mark there? It might be a phone call to somebody to ask for forgiveness. Or it might be a phone call to forgive somebody. 
you just let God begin to minister to you. For those that aren't hearing anything, go to God and just start saying, God, make my heart soft again. Come in, because I do. I want, to, I want to be on mark. I don't want to be off. I want to be in line. And so as he speaks those things to you, um, when we get to the second song, I'm gonna have the worship leaders have you stand up. When you stand up, we've got these crosses. You can take, uh, there's little notepads at all the crosses. Take the things that God has told you and go pin it to the cross. Now, a lot of times we have these responses that, that we've done at all the campuses. We, we've given the opportunity to, to do these responses and, and in some, some fashion, they've started they've started to become just rote, kind of like, this is what we do. Don't let it be that way. Go before God and really lay these things down. God, I'm missing the mark in this area. Pin it to that cross and make it a real connection between you and God and say, God, this is, this is the thing. I know you've pinned it and I give it to you. Or these candles. We've got these candles. You can come up and light a candle. I want you to, t- I want you to pretend like the candle represents God speaking an area of your life. And so you say, God, I, I need to know, or maybe he begins to show something. God, I need you to light up this particular area. Maybe you're struggling in your finances. Maybe you're struggling in a relationship. Maybe you're struggling in your thought life. You know what? Go to the candle and say, God, I need you to light this area up in my life and light a candle. We've got the communion stations, juice at the crosses, pastors have wine. Uh, maybe, I mean, what a great reminder of what Jesus did on the cross for us, church, huh? He died on the cross so that we, when we miss the mark, we can still walk in freedom because he took that. He took the penalty of that. Great reminder. Whatever it is, let's just respond to God. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask right now that by your Holy Spirit, you would come and speak to every single person in this room. Lord, Lord, the greatness of who you are is this, that we could have hundreds of people listening to the same message at the same time or maybe even different times and you can still come in and speak to every single person individually. God, you are so great. And so, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, come and begin to speak to our hearts. Reveal to us those areas in which we've missed the mark. Reveal to us the areas in which we have to uh, give our hearts over to you. For some that are listening to this, there may be uh, a decision that you need to make. And that decision is that you need to ask Jesus into your heart. You, there's actually cross, there's cards at those crosses. If you want to make a decision and ask Jesus into your heart, go fill out one of those cards cards and pin it to the cross. Whatever it is, respond to what the Holy Spirit tells you during this time of worship. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you speak to us. In your name we pray. Amen.